Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Well, good morning. Good morning. Wow, there went half the church. It always fascinates me. <laughs> um, you know, before I start, I just want to say, when we were praying this morning um, over the service, before service, I just had this picture of this church, and um, I, I had a picture of your county, Cass County, and, you know, one thing that you guys do well, or that you have a lot of, is families, and um, it was kind of funny earlier, I said, who was somebody, and, and Reuben said, you know, the 30-ish tall guy, I went, okay, that's half your church, um, <laughs> But when I was praying, what I saw was we were, I was praying that the invitation to those who are out in your community would come. And what I felt like the Lord said is that you're going to find people who are lonely for family. And that's something you guys do really well is family. And, um, wow. And I just saw that you're going to be called upon to be family to those who don't have family. You know, maybe they do have a nuclear family. Maybe they might have a spouse and some kids, or maybe not. But they don't have extended family that's either healthy or available. And I just see that you guys are going to be that family. And so um, as you're praying, as you pray for your church, for this church, and for your community, I just would ask you to lean into that. And could we do that right now? Could we just pray right now? So, Father, I just thank you for that. I thank you that you've, you've placed so many healthy families in this congregation. Not, not problem-free families, but healthy families that look to you. And, Father, that they could be a lifeboat to those in the community. And so I just, I just, Thank you for your, your vision and your commission to this church, to this place. And I just invite, I just, I just prophetically invite those who need family to come. We just, we just speak, come. Come and receive love from the Father and love from your brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're um, doing a series. Cameron um, was here last week, and the series is What is God Like? And I was reading a book um, by Irene Hannon, and uh, the book was called An Eye for an Eye. And this quote jumped out at me, and it said, For a brief instant, he considered praying. This was an FBI agent. He was that desperate. But in his 12 years with the FBI, he's seen too much. Somewhere in the blood and gore of man's inhumanity to man, he'd lost touch with the loving, compassionate God of his youth. Yet he's never needed divine intervention more than at that moment. And what struck me about this um, passage was my view of God from a young age. My view of God was much like this. It was a God of justice. A God of, um, he's going to bring the hammer down. He's a judge. 
And what's interesting, it, in that song, um, just, just as Andy was saying, that, you know, it was declaring the, the names of the Lord. And if you look up names of the Lord, there's a whole list of them. Like, I don't know. I started Googling it. It's like a hundred. Okay, well, I can't share a hundred. So I just picked out, like, the top, I don't know, 16 or something. And El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. El, El Yan, the Most High God. Adonai, the Master. Okay, those depict this, but but then the rest of them do not, or not the rest of them, but a lot of them do not. They pick, they depict a God that is compassionate. Jehovah Nisa, the Lord my banner. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. There's a whole list of names of God that is an embracing, loving, caring God. And so my picture was a little skewed from a young age, unlike the man in that that book. So our passage for this series comes from Exodus 34, 6. And um, it is, I listened to a commentary and it's very interesting that what this this story comes from when Moses went up on the mountain. And basically, God is saying, I'm going to marry these people. The, the Israelites are going to be my bride. And, and Moses has come down and said, do you agree, Israel, to be God's bride? And they say yes. And he goes up on the mountain. And they immediately, 40, you know, 40 days he's gone, they're like, yeah, let's, let's get a new God. Let's, they broke the marriage contract before it was even signed, right? And yet God is, um, he's speaking to Moses, and, and Moses says, I need to know who are you? What do you like? And God says, says this, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming his character. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of parents to the third and fourth generations. And today, I get to share with you the very first thing that God shares, that he's the God of compassion. He is compassionate. And um, I love the Bible Project, their videos. I think they're fantastic. So we're going to watch this video. And you're going to help me out, right, Shed? Yeah. Because I don't know how to make this one do it. Maybe. And if not, you should check it out because <laughs> it's really good. Okay. All right. Well, we'll just. Oh.
So it's no surprise that when Yahweh reveals his character to the Israelites in the wilderness, he begins by saying he's compassionate. But despite Yahweh's continual rachamim, the Israelites turn away from him time and again. They reject Yahweh's compassion and instead give their allegiance to other gods. And rather than showing compassion to each other, they do violence. And their rebellion results in exile and they're scattered among the nations. And it's in this dark moment in Israel's story that we come to the book of Isaiah where Yahweh compares himself to a mother full of rachamim toward her baby. He says, can a mother forget her nursing child or have no compassion or rachamim on the child of her womb? Even if she forgets, I will not forget you. God is full of motherly compassion and he will rescue his people. And as you read further in Isaiah, you realize that God is going to do this by entering into the suffering of humanity. And this points forward to a time when Jesus comes on the scene. He is Yahweh's deep compassion become human. In Greek, the word compassion is oiktirmos. And as Jesus embraces the sick and cares for the outcast, he is deeply moved by human suffering. Jesus compares himself to a mother hen using her wings to shield her chicks from danger as he gathers people into his embrace. And in the ultimate expression of oitirmas, Jesus is moved by compassion to enter into humanity's suffering, into death itself, to rescue and bring us near to God. And it's this same life of compassion that Jesus calls his followers to imitate allowing ourselves to be moved by the pain of others, to embrace the hurting, and to participate in relieving suffering in the world. In this way, we too can embody the compassion of Yahweh, or in Jesus' words, be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Now you can see how fitting it is that compassionate is the first word God uses to describe himself. So when we're in pain or see others suffering, we can be certain that God is deeply moved to respond and that he's there to meet us with his deep compassion. So compassion. So I like to, and if you've heard me speak before, I like to take apart words and find out what they mean in English as well. And compassion, so I'm in an English class, and we always talk about prefixes and suffixes because that helps you with dumb testing. Anyway, so com um, actually means with, right? So the first part of compassion is with. So with what? With passion. And passion, I, I found this very interesting. My clicker is not working. Um, the very first word that Webster defines passion as is the passion of Christ, which is uh, the last supper up until Jesus's death, capitalized, of course. But it also means an emotion. In, in, in Webster's, it says an intense feeling or an outbreak of anger or just that, that welling up within you. But it also means ardent affection. So that could be love, desire, devotion. So it's with these things, with passion, that you respond. And the word compassion is this, sympathetic consciousness of others' distress 
with a desire to alleviate it. So it's not just pity. It's not feeling bad about a situation and walking away. It's being moved to do something. And that's who our God is. He's moved to do something. Not just, and, and a lot of times you can, you can find out what a word means by understanding what the antithesis is or the antonym is. And the antonyms of compassion are cold-hearted, callous, heartless. That is not who our God is. Even if you think that what it might be what he is, he's not. He's God of compassion. So a God of compassion. Um, we are made in his image. And it says in Genesis 1.27, God made God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so we know from Scripture that we are created in his image. So within us, we have compassion, right? And, and as the, the, uh, the um, oh, gosh, the video showed, they talked about a nursing, he talked about God comparing himself to a nursing mom. He says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. And then he says, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. You know, as a mother who I I did nurse my babies, and there would be a rare time, and I remember one specific time with my first child, that I was able to go to the store alone. Can any woman in here know what that felt like? It was like, oh, this is a glorious feeling. I'm sure it was snowing, and I wasn't going to be gone very long, but I went into the store and pushed my cart, And another baby, not mine, because mine was at home, started to cry. And my body physically responded to that baby. It It wasn't an emotional attachment. It was just within me. I was created to respond. We are created to respond to others' distress because that's what God does. In Psalm, it, in Psalms 103, 13 and 14, oh sorry, there are scriptures. The clicker is like way slow or something, I'm sorry. Um, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. He knows where we are, that we struggle and that we have a hard time. I was thinking about this particularly, and I remember one time my daughter Rachel was, uh, she's probably seven years old, and she was in trouble, and so she was sent to her room, and she was in her room, and I must say that I was angry (laughs) because of whatever she, and I don't remember what she did, but I do remember this. She came out screaming because she had... um, tried to put her, tried to get something out of the bottom of a glass and the glass broke and it caught her finger. What, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, scoop her up, take her to the ER. Whatever she had done was forgotten because my compassion moved me. Now, unfortunately, you know, when we think about God, sometimes we think, well, he doesn't care. He isn't moved. But this 
in the scriptures it says he is moved with compassion. In the Old Testament, as we saw, Rahim um, is in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it is mentioned, that particular word is mentioned over a hundred times. Eighty percent of it is about God himself. Twenty percent talk about people, like Solomon having compassion, you know, or the woman having compassion on her her baby. But the other eighty percent is all talking about God. And just as um, Rachel was in trouble with me, the Israelites were in trouble with God a lot. Okay, they 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 did a, a lot of mistakes. And um, one of the times that I wanted to share with you was in the book of Nehemiah. And so I want you to zoom out with me. We had Moses receiving the law, the people becoming the people. And then about a thousand years later, we have a time where Nehemiah and Ezra have rebuilt the temple. They've rebuilt the walls of the city. Ezra reads the laws and the people respond with repentance. The people are moved to repent and say they're sorry, and they recount the things that happened before. And after Moses, we know there was a period of time where there were judges, and there were a period of time where there were kings. This period of time where there were judges, in 927, it says, So you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them because they had rebelled. But when they were oppressed, they cried out to you, From heaven you heard them, and in your great compassion you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the hands of their enemies. And as soon as they were at rest, they again did evil in your sight. Then you handed them over to their enemies so that they ruled over them. And then they cried out to you again, and you heard from heaven. And in your compassion you delivered them time and again, time after time. God did this continuously. And then in Second Chronicles, which was the time of, of the kings out of the line of David, we have David and then Solomon and then the rulers that, or the kings that ruled in uh, Judah. And it, um, and it says in Second Chronicles, the Lord, the God of their ancestors, repeatedly sent his prophets to warn them, for he had compassion on his people and on his temple. He repeatedly sent them because of his compassion. He didn't want to leave them there. I mean, has anybody ever had a kid who was just like, I just want to leave them? But then you come back, right? That's our God. And then it continues on, and Jesus is the, is the ultimate expression of compassion. And in the New Testament, it is oikirmos. Sorry. Um, there's also another uh, um, word that means and this sounds a little strange, but bowels yearn. It's like they couldn't, the, in here, it's in your gut, you just have to. It's that, that thing inside of you that just compels you. Jesus was compelled. When was he compelled? Well, when he did healings. One of the instances was when uh, the two blind men were crying out and the, the people told him to shush. And Jesus says, what do you want? And they said, I want, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and gave them sight. And, and then it goes on and, and talks about Jesus, Jesus had compassion on those who were hungry. In Matthew 15, 
It says, Jesus calls his disciples and says, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry. They may collapse. He was compassionate on their physical need for for food. He has compassion for the grieving. In Luke 7, it talks about a funeral procession that was going past and, and, and Jesus saw the widow or the, the young man, uh, the widow's only son was a young man who had died. And, and when he saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. And he says, don't cry. I'll fix this. Out of his compassion. And his compassion goes for the lost as well, the spiritually lost. In Mark, it talks about when Jesus landed um, on, the, on the shore and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. He cares where you're at spiritually. But he also cares for sinners. And when I was preparing this, the, the Lord just prompted me to talk about Zacchaeus, which I was like, huh? <laughs> Zacchaeus? But Zacchaeus was a, um, you know, Jesus is heading into Jericho. There's tons of people around. And he's, you know, and then people are like, I want to check out Jesus, right? He's done healings. He's given teachings. He's amazing. And so he enters the, the town and a man named Zacchaeus, who was the t- chief tax collector and was wealthy. You know, Luke, make sure you know. Not only is the head guy, but he's also made a lot of money. And tax collectors were the ones who went and collected money from the Jews to give to the Romans because the Romans had in, in, um, enacted a tax. And then they got extra money by padding that tax, right? So if, if Zacchaeus is the chief one, he's, he knows how to do that pretty well. And he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short... He couldn't see over the crowd. And he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree to see him. One commentator that I read said, can you imagine, think of the most prestigious person you know and make them short, climbing a tree like a child. That's how desperate he was to see this Jesus. I want to see Jesus. He didn't matter what he looked like, what it made him look like. And Jesus gets to the spot and he sees Zacchaeus and he says, you, I must be a guest at your house tonight. And the people responded like, what? You're going to hang out with a sinner? Well, maybe they could deal with the people who were sick or spiritually lost, but sinners? Not realizing we're all sinners, right? But the chief sinner as far as they were concerned, but Jesus had compassion on him. And even made me think about, you know, the thief on the cross. You know, he reaches out and realizes, oh, this is Jesus. He's done nothing wrong. I've done something wrong. Save us. And Jesus' compassion moves him. And says, you will be with me in paradise. So what is our response? How do we respond? Well, first, 
It's to receive the compassion that, you, that God has for us. To have an understanding that that is an attribute of God. That's hard when you're in the middle of a crisis and you don't see help. But he's right there with you. God is always right there with you. All you have to do is ask. Receiving his love and then showing it to others. You know, we sang um, that song today and it said, Give me vision to see like you do. Give me vision to see like you do. Love God and love others, the greatest commandment, right? To love others, that's what we need to do. In Numbers 23, 21, I just read this this morning. <laughs> it's, the, it's from the story when um, Balak wants Balaam to curse the Israelites, and all he can do is bless them. You know, he blesses them three times. In one of those blessings, he says, He has not beheld misfortune in Jacob, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. God didn't see any trouble in Israel. Like, how about the, I don't know how many times they messed up. But he saw them through his love. He saw them through his love. And and he's so compelled by us that he sent his son. His compassion moved him to send his son to the cross so that you and I could be set free. So we need to see people through the eyes of love, through the eyes of God's love. In Philippians 2, um, Paul encourages us, and he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being unified with Christ, if any comfort of his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. By being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Now, here, Paul is specifically talking about the church. And I can say, this, for me, is easy to do for you. It's hard to do for those around me that aren't my brothers and sisters. Well, sometimes it's hard for my brothers and sisters, right? I mean, if we're being honest, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. We're talking about compassion. Seeing where people are at in the suffering that they are experiencing We need to be moved with compassion to do something. Now, I'm not talking about controlling people or (laughs) making them behave. I'm just talking about reaching out and loving people where they're at. I, I was talking with my sister about this and because, um, 
sometimes I struggle with, we have a mutual friend, and, and I, just, I just shake my head, and I said, why is it that I'm struggling right now? I'm preparing to talk about compassion, and I have none for this person. <laughs> and so we were like, well, what can you do? How can you drum up compassion? Do you drum it up? Is that a thing? Can you? I think it starts with looking at the light of what you've been forgiven. How much have I been forgiven? How imperfect am I? Maybe I need to climb off my my self-righteous soapbox and take a look at like where I really came from and where I'm still at and receive God's love for me and then look at look at that person through the eyes of of Christ's love because the truth is Christ died for her too not just me and not just those in this room he died for each one of us so my challenge to you is to really see that God is compassionate. And, and it may be hard, if you're reading through numbers like I am, <laughs> to go, really? Yeah, he's compassionate. He's just, but he's compassionate. To see him in that light and then look at those around you in that same light. How fitting today I believe God's calling you to receive those in your community, you know, that may have sticky situations, may have some bad habits, may have some things that are hard to to look past, but are suffering just the same. So, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I thank you so much. Thank you so much that you are so much bigger than our minds can comprehend. And that your love for us is so deep and so wide. Lord, I just ask that today we would receive that love and then we would extend it to those around us. And Father, I I do pray today that that as Mother's Day can be such a wonderful celebration for so many, but there are some who it's very difficult for. some who have estranged mothers, some who don't have mothers. Father, I just ask right now that you, that you would just heal those hearts and that we would see people in the light of their suffering and that we would reach out to them because you chose us to be your hands and feet. You chose the church to walk out Jesus' love. And I thank you for that. Just bless each one to here today that as we have come 
that we would leave changed because we encountered you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have a prayer team today. And then um, make sure that you are here next week for your special guest speaker because it's going to be amazing. And you are dismissed. Yeah, Pastor Cameron will be here next week as well. So with that, you may be dismissed and have famous donuts that they talk about in other places.